Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Take Two podcast is back. The normal gang is back. It is January 8th of 2021. I don't normally say the date, but because we have not met since October, I feel like we need to remind people that a lot has happened. A lot has changed since last we met, but a lot hasn't. It's a lot the same. It's a new year, same problems. I know everyone was like, woo, new year. But (laughs) it was like... Um, a second of bliss. I, I woke up January 1 and said, this feels really close to 2020. I don't know if it, it everything just went away when we hit 2021. I know. It's, I, I told people when we went into this new year to set your expectations low and be pleasantly surprised. I didn't really hope that we had to set them as low as we are. There's still social unrest. Um, people demonstrating, rioting. This yes. time, though, uh, the rioting's changed. Who's rioting and who's watching it on TV? We have a new governor familiar face, a smooth transition of power. Uh, I do want to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, One where we actually had all of our sitting governors who were there Mm -hmm. in the past. It was exciting to see that. On the flip side, President Trump today saying he will not attend Biden's inauguration. This is going to happen for the first time since a sitting president has forgone that tradition, I believe 1869. Um, We have a lot to talk about. People uh, still like to hear things they agree with, don't want to hear things they don't agree with. I'm hoping that with Jim DeBacchus joining us by phone, Greg We're going to hear a lot of studio, things we don't agree with. You're going to hear things you don't to agree say. with. <laughs> but I want people to listen. I think the best part about this podcast is oftentimes you listen to a podcast where it's your ideological views, and yep. it's either the right or it's the left. And people like to retweet things they agree with and ignore and call it fake news. Somebody told me yesterday on Twitter that I... I, in the last year, have been the most locally, like, fake news person on the earth. And I'm like, what? And they're mad because one specific tweet that I had no idea would go viral has. But I'll put investigative pieces together where I work for weeks and weeks and nobody will like it or look at it. So we live in this world where you find one sentence that you like and you cling to it. So we're well, going to force people to listen to both sides today. This show is an experiment to see if people mean what they say. And that is, we have heard calls for unity. Now, if unity means I want everyone to agree with me and we want unity because we want everyone who has different opinions to have conformity of opinion, agree with me on everything, and then we'll be united, that's not really unity. What you get on this program is that you do get, uh, there is no uniformity of thought happening on take two. But you know what I think it does is I think because we are friends and we do have high regard for one another, we can talk about these issues drilled down in a way where you're going to hear the different perspectives and hopefully it makes people think. And they think, you know, because we get so much from one side or the other, can we honestly just discuss these issues in a way where you do hear different perspectives and at the end of the day, we're not all at each other's throats. That would be unity as far as I'm concerned. Just and luckily even the, having Jim in a different room than you help. Yes, so, uh, Jim. I'm in a safe space <laughs> up to add all of it because Jim isn't here. So I feel safe. I want to I, I give an example of that because... Think Cox brought this up. 
Are you talking about Spencer Cox? And I should note, before we let uh, Jim talk further, I was asked by many Utah legislative leaders not to let him back on the podcast. We'll no. discuss the issue okay. of why they don't want him on the well, podcast. that's rude. In a minute, but you're here. We can discuss that in a while because I want right. to talk local issues so, in a bit. So but I'm, I'm glad you're here, Jim. I, I want to point this out while we're doing it. Because we have a thing called demanding people take your position is not unity and respect and civility. That's right. So very briefly, to use as an example, um, the, the legislature got really upset because Salt Lake City is different than rural Utah, and they didn't want their kids, they weren't quite ready to put their kids back in public classrooms. We have a, a majority minorities, and the, the, the COVID is still rampant, and we wanted to do it our own way in Salt Lake City. So the legislature couldn't let that happen and they took the $1,500 school bonuses and they said to the teachers, uh, or they said to the school board, either you change that or you don't, get the, you don't get the bonuses. So the school board went in executive committee meeting and came out, and you can imagine their teachers were pressuring them a little bit, and they said, okay, we'll do what you said. And then the governor came out and St. Cox said, you know, this is a perfect example of how things can be cordial and how they can be worked out and how there can't be civility. But Jim, it's here's extortion. a question. My point is it was extortion. It was extortion. That's not civility and I... that's not moderation and that's not respect. That is extortion. And a lot of times in Utah where there's such a vast majority, we mistake civility and respect for this kind of extortion. It was extortion, but I do have a question about that because I look, and we've talked to parents on both sides of the aisle in Salt Lake City where uh, some parents want their kids back in school and some have been happy keeping them home. But you talk about those uh, minority groups and the different people who live in Salt Lake City who oftentimes get overlooked, who don't get the attention they need education-wise. Are we hurting them by keeping them at home is well, one question because yeah. they've been at home since March. So I don't think it's extortion it's like at all. Months, wait, Ten wait, months wait, is a wait, long me, time to not be in a room with a teacher, let me right? Your question. Okay. Look, my point has nothing to do with the merits. Okay. The, the, the elected Salt Lake City School Board, the, the, uh, the, the closest to the people, decided that in their district, given their circumstances or whatever, that's what they wanted. And they the all legislature had to come in and extort, and that's not bad enough. You had to have St. Cox saying, oh, this is such a good example. So you're against oh, the hostage shit. situation. So I also think that yeah, we should but, try to be civil and call people by their names on both sides because I actually lost my marbles in one of our meetings here at KUTV. I'm sure you can ask everyone if there were like a TMZ of TV, I'd be on it. But I just get <laughs> sick of when we talk about people that we don't agree with, like calling them names or all Democrats are bad and all Republicans are bad or they're all Trumpsters or they're all whatever. It just is exhausting. So I want us to just be nice. Come on, guys. We're only like a couple minutes in. You know what? I, I can be nice and call them by the right name, but it won't change the extortion that happened. So you, right. you need to take a okay. little bit if you're willing to give it out. All right. So let me dive in. I Maybe just, he'll been, like being look, I can't. Talks. I can't. The word extortion has been thrown out like 80 times here on this topic, but to the point that Jim's making about Uniformity of thought is not unity. I concur. I would say that 
having our kids back to school is an absolute crisis of these children's lives in terms of their ability to year-over-year progress and learn. Uh, We do not have internet connected to every single home, and anybody who thinks that these children can learn remotely is practical and it's not going to impact their lives. They are naive or they're lying to you. And it is also the case that these homes do not have a stay-at-home parent every single day that can stay home with them, and it may even impact their ability to make a living or provide resources or a living to the home. So the idea that there are there there are uh, teachers out there that are trying to juggle distance learning as well as in the school because of the circumstances I just described, there ought to be bonuses for those teachers that are playing double duty and doing all their level best to reach these kids however they can. If you have a district that's just said, these kids, if they don't have internet and they have and they have a a parent that can't stay home, tough. We're not gonna we're not gonna teach them. That's not good enough. And there should be no bonus in an environment where like that where children are being harmed or disadvantaged. So I don't find that the legislature deciding I'm, to bring bonuses for teachers that are doing so much, including remote and in school learning, it is I'm absolutely gonna, appropriate I'm for them to do argue. that. Okay. I'm not going to argue the merits. I'm going to say okay. as, a, as a representative from Salt Lake City for six years, and as a person who lives there, I am furious and sick and tired of rural Utah and far suburban Utah running our lives. Why do we even bother to have elected officials? You know what? Run it the way you want. I'm not down telling you how to run your farms or how to run your little suburbs in Farmington. Just leave your hands off us. This is none of your damn business. All right. Uh, With that, I want to leave the state of Utah. We'll get back to it in a minute. I want to talk about the state of our union, our republic, the United States of America, and the elected officials um, that are causing us all a lot of heartburn right now. President Trump uh, rallied his supporters to the nation's capital on the 6th. Uh, Part of this year, last year, has been a giant civics lesson. I don't know that a lot of people remember what they learned in fifth grade about voting, about the (laughs) Electoral College, about how Congress then uh, goes through those and uh, approves or certifies. I know the technical word is not certify, but certifies the election. Uh, We've all watched this play out. Uh, There's been some angst, but the president uh, calling his supporters for a rally. I don't know what he expected to happen. It did not end um, well. It did not end peacefully. Uh, There's a police officer who lost his life. I think we're all heartbroken to to see that. five people that were tragically killed. Yeah. One person uh, who was breaking into the House floor through the glass and did not obey commands, uh, shot by officers there. Uh, We had three other people who they haven't released a lot of information on, but it sounds like they had medical emergencies but probably couldn't get them the help they need because they couldn't get out. And now we have this police officer uh, Jim, I'm going to start with you. Is there any blame to go around to elected officials, whether it be the president or our local leaders, or are we each responsible for our actions and this happened and we've got to figure out why and solve the problem? You know, there's a lot smarter people than, uh, than I am that are talking nationally about all this. I'll just say very briefly that I thought it was a pretty despicable moment when as the building was still red with the blood of at least one innocent person and the, the rubbish was everywhere. You had uh, Chris Stewart and uh, the, the new congressman, uh, Burgess Cunon, uh, vote Burgess to Owens. not service, oh, not uh, to not certify 
what was obviously needed to be certified. And I mean, that that was a despicable action. And you know what? I think Mitt Romney was right. For the when when their obit is written in the first two sentences, it's going to remind their future generations of their vote on that night uh, to to support the mob. That was a that was a terrible terrible thing by uh, two of our elected people. I know that um, I have a paper in front of me. I just printed this off that uh, Better Utah and I think a couple other groups. Uh, I can't even remember who they are right now, have called on representatives uh, Burgess Owens and Chris Stewart to resign from their positions. I was actually at a meeting yesterday, uh, or was it the day before, where uh, there was um, people talking about, do we need to go and call Greg Hughes and hold him accountable? Is he accountable for the people who broke in, um, broke windows, (laughs) broke into our nation's capital, uh, ripped it to shreds? Uh, do we need to hold our representatives responsible? Is it the president's fault? Get back to me. Okay, I want to answer that. Is, yeah. is Greg, it in, were you there? I mean, I no, I was not there. But the I wasn't. I, but I mean, but, you there. but no, this is the movement. If you are, if you if you tr- support Trump, you're part of this this moment that happened apparently, and I want to talk to that. Okay, so I, do you bear any responsibility? Because before we get to this, uh, I always like to get to the root of things. I'm not the kind of person who likes to take a drug to cover up a symptom. I like to get to the root of yes. it and figure it out. Yep. And I look at it the same way in the issues in our society. When we saw Black Lives Matter on the streets, they got up off their couches because they felt there was an injustice. They wanted something to change. And I believe the same thing, at least at the heart of it, before it went south, were people who got off the off their couches yeah. and actually flew yeah. someplace mm-hmm. because they don't believe that the election was fair. Yep. You've spoken out about that. Yep. Are you wrong in that because you should have said in this democratic society we accept the results we have, we move on and we inaugurate our next president on January 20th? Or are there questions still to be asked? Look, and yeah. are you going to burn and have on your <laughs> epitaph, like Jim yeah, said, I got my, my, yeah, my, saying, my, you know my what, Greg tombstone. Hughes is part of this problem. Are so, you part of the problem? So, no, I think I think the election fraud issue was sadly never addressed. We keep talking about how every court said that there was no evidence. Let's be clear. Every court that had this before them either dismissed it on process or on standing. There was never a really a vetting of or a bringing the evidence for it to be truly considered. So if I see that observers by federal law that are supposed to be there that are not allowed to be there, should I question the votes that are counted during that time when people are not allowed to observe? I think these are these these incidences that are not just rumor. There's videotape of it. There's there's pictures of these things having people putting paper on the window so you can't watch how they're doing it. The the incident at, in Fulton County, you know, is, is they have people leave and then they begin, continue to count ballots. So even if there was nothing that went wrong, let me ask you this. Let's say that everything, even when they put the papers up or they kept counting when they weren't supposed to, everything could be on the up and up, but you don't know. And I think that's where the question comes in. I think it is. And I think they said, look, if we had to endure the narrative that Russian bots infiltrated Facebook and tricked America into voting for President Trump, so we need a special prosecutor, Mueller, to investigate that, which came up with nothing— for the images and the discussions and, and the things that we were seeing, to not have that properly vetted, you if you think that that was just going to like water off a duck's back, of course there was going to be that frustration. So that's to your question. Okay, Where before we move on, have it's your fault. We're going to get to that in a second. Yeah. I want Jim to respond to this. 
Do you agree with Greg or are you on the complete opposite side where you said the courts have ruled, let's get over it, um, the election was fair and fine? Because I think that's what the heart of where these people are out on the streets right now because they feel like democracy or republic, uh, democratic republic is something that they can't trust, whether it's two years from now or four years from now. Look, Mitt Romney said it again very well. He said, You are a Mitt Romney lover. These people will not be satisfied. It wouldn't matter how many hearings were held. It wouldn't matter what how about one? happened. They were bound and determined. Look, you're not going to overcome. These were not democratic states where these so-called manipulations were going on. I mean, you don't have a bigger Trump guy until this happened than a governor of Georgia and a governor of Arizona, for goodness sake. These are not made up things. The Maricopa County, Maricopa County in Arizona is election clerk losers. was a Democrat. So was the, the one it, in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, losers. too. It was not going to be turned around. And you know what? You lose. When they came to me and uh, and told me on the phone, look, Senator, you've lost the election and it's it's really close and we can do a, a, a recount. You know what I said? I said, you know what? I hate those people. You stepped down very quickly. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. I said, this just is ridiculous. I lost. I'm not going to make up whatever the votes are. Let's just give my uh, best regards to whatever. This guy... You, you've got to admit, Greg, he was, he was never going to concede. It wouldn't have mattered no, I, how many things were going to happen. He, you know him. You've got he, to be honest. No, no. I, he, look, he was going to absolutely concede. This guy was going to fight to the oh, end, and he geez. saw a path where he wanted to make his case that there was fraud that had occurred. At the end of the day, he was a realist. I'm telling you, he was not going to sit and have the troops pull him out of that building, uh, that White House. It was never going to happen that way. I know his antagonists want to believe that or have said that, but it wasn't going to be that way. But let's get back to whether. So, by you backing him, do you yes, feel like this is you? What I get do you to. feel like you fed? Let's, because you mostly yeah. talk to people at Utah who follow you on Facebook. Sure. Have you fed the demon in Utah um, and feeding false hope in Utahns that they could win this thing or that they should go to the nation's capital and be able to, you know, tear down the walls and make things stop and make things change? No, Are you and, and Heidi, I actually appreciate you asking first about the issue before we talk about, you know, what's who's responsible for what. Freedom of speech and being able to march on the Capitol. I, I did this for cancer in 1998. I have been there during, I did a, I was part of a Trump rally December 12th. This Capitol is not unfamiliar with people that come to the Capitol or to the Washington DC to protest. When I attended the inauguration in 2016, there were people protesting that inauguration, smashing out storefront windows. This was happening. There were, there were protests. I'm going to tell you that in America, we do have a, you know, we have a diversity of thought and of opinion, and you see that manifest itself in that town. I'm going to tell you this. I am the same guy sitting here in the studio today who had no appetite for and condemned the violence when, when in May in Salt Lake City, we saw a police car overturned when we saw our state capital vandalized and, and, and defaced. Uh, members of law enforcement that were harmed. We saw this roll out in the spring and summer in the United States across this country. We had these CHAZ zones, whatever they're called, where no laws apparently, ordinances, statutes, federal laws, nothing nothing applied. This was, and this, in other words, we have been watching political violence for the, for much of 2020. And when you have political violence, political violence begats political violence, and I am not justifying it. I'm, what I'm saying is, if you don't feel, 
if the whatever outrage and anger you feel this week for what we saw, because I feel a lot of it, I am, it, it, it seethes me to see the lawlessness and what happened to that capital. But if you didn't feel that way before this week, you better ask yourself why. Because this isn't the first time this has happened. This is not the first time a government building has been destroyed or attempted to be destroyed. This isn't the first time people have lost their lives or that people have been harmed. This, there's, this isn't the time where people's businesses, small businesses were burned to the ground. Were you as outraged? Were you as angry? Because I'm the same guy. I'm the same guy that was angry in the, in the last year watching this roll out as I am today this week. And I, so, no, am I responsible for it? No. And in fact, I would argue that those who tried to morally justify the violence and the destruction and the, and the, and the harm that happened in 2020, they need to sit and stare at themselves a little bit. Because if you're telling me that you can act this way and you can, you can condone political violence so long as you're on one side of the spectrum, when so we let know that half America question. doesn't agree with that, let but me, that's going to be wrong, you, let me we're going to get more question. of the same, which is not going to be good. Okay, so let's talk to Jim. Bad be, guys are bad guys is what Greg says. Do you, you agree? Uh, okay, of course I agree. But I want to ask Greg this. Yeah. Would you have been outraged if in Antifa, and I don't even know if those people exist, frankly. I've never seen an Antifa They do, person. actually. Certainly yeah. not in Utah, but anyway— We'll get to how that in a second. How outraged would you be, Greg? And what would you say about an Antifa leader who stood in downtown Salt Lake City, pointed to the Capitol, and said to the thousands, March with me! We're going to go get justice. How outraged would you be? Or would you say, I mean, no, as, as an Jim, equal, it's a great question. Great, no, person, great, great question. I said this back in May. I believe that people protested and without absent the violence, if they wanted to march on the Capitol, I said that, and I said this back then, I said, it is, it is our right. We're Americans. We can protest. That's fine. There is a difference between protest, a protester and a rioter. And there were people in the, in the crowds all throughout last year and this week who were there to create civil unrest and destruction and it, and it just inflames yeah. the crowds okay, that are there. So what I would say is if right. someone said, let's march on the Capitol, I don't have a problem with marching on the Capitol. If someone says, get in no, there and destroy it, said, I got a big problem with that. And if they said, let's go down and change it, and they were giving inflammatory um, justification for people to go and do the damage that happened I, in Salt Lake or I, in the I Capitol. would have to see. I you keep hearing that Trump told everybody to jump in there and destroy the Capitol. I, I haven't heard, heard that. I, heard, I haven't heard that sentence. I heard, the, I heard his speech. I mean, I heard excerpts when, from it. I when mean, you, it's, when it's you hear clear. Chuck Schumer, do you remember that this is just for this well, you're, Georgia you're race? No, I'm not. All right, one at a time. Jim, what I'm saying is that we're taking the words of this president and we're saying, well, that clearly meant violence and destruction when when chuck schumer said we're going to take georgia and we're going to change america i would have said we're going to win georgia i have never said i'm going to take draper i'm going to take utah when you say we're going to take georgia and we're going to change america it would be very easy to say well i think he's talking about violence he said take like, georgia so i'm that's saying you can parse shot. those I mean, words it is not it is you can march guy. on that capital without saying you're trying to destroy it trying to force your way in and march on that capital as we, as people have done for generations. Okay, I want to talk for a second here. So <laughs> here's right. something. 
When we look back at the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, the unrest where I think we were all sick when we saw people's businesses broken and burned and there was cop cars flipped and there were lives lost, it it made us all sick watching it. Did it, it. make everyone sick? I, I hope don't know so. if it did. It made me sick watching it. But I believe that most, not all, but most people who went out there wanted to see justice served. They wanted to uh, make their voices heard. They were out there to peacefully protest. But there is a faction in our society who don't like that we are the shining light on the hill. They don't like that we are a civilized society, and they want things to be a mess. They went in there, and they made everyone look bad. And I think that the mob mentality sets in, and so they start you know, coming down there with whatever powders or fuels they have to set cop cars on fire. The first brick is thrown, or the first rock is thrown. And then some of those people who probably went to protest peacefully turned not peaceful because of, I'm not saying it's okay, but they did that. They like joined in what turned we, into the mob Heidi, mentality. We watched that. That happened and all this, year yeah, last year. And the same thing I think happened in our nation's capital. Yes. I think some people flew there. I think, I mean, most of the people inside the Capitol were Trump supporters. Yeah. I saw police actually <laughs> let some of them in, but no, listen, there's a man named John Sullivan who's not the only one from Utah. His, it seems to me like his career is to be an agitator. He's a protester. He eggs people on. He does it here in Salt he Lake. Was, He's he done was it part in Seattle. Of the, he instigated the violence in Provo. Yeah, and he told us on 2 News he claimed that he was there to document it, and he was. He was in there recording what was happening, but he climbed in through a broken, broken window. I don't know what else he did, but he was egging people on using Antifa hashtags. I don't know how he self-identifies, but for weeks telling people to come, and he was in the middle of that as an agitator. And I don't think it helps that we have these people that know that there's people who are highly emotional, whether it's Black Lives Matter or uh, Trump supporters who are upset about an election, who go in there and f- throw fuel on the fire. That doesn't take I'm responsibility not, from anyone, but, I, I, but it happens. We're missing the point here. Okay, what's it's the point? It's not about the mob. and it's not, there, are, there are these people. There are anarchists. There are whatever, fringe people. It is about leadership. It was not the speech that President Trump gave uh, when they were threatening to impeach him, if he didn't, uh, calling for calm and for telling everybody to go home and to be peaceful and whatever. What he said there was certainly inflammatory, and it certainly What did he say? Words do matter. What were the words? Because I've caused, missed this. What were the specific it caused, words? It caused, it caused the people to march down toward that capital, and any idiot could have figured, that it's a small uh, it's a small move from telling people to go do that. These agitated people, anyway, who've flown in from around this country, and that, that this was going to happen. But so what about the po- Jim? About. Jim, I, I need to know what those uh, specific words side, were because there, are all, these, there you, are all these side arguments about you know aren't there bad agitators and both sides and what about this and that? I'm saying this is the president of the United States of America, and he had no business being up there agitating that Let's group. Okay, and so Greg, let's talk about the president. Look, go look at the videotape. If you haven't seen it, you're going to be a gas. Okay, so let's listen. What the president said. So, Greg, uh, he did hold, whether you agree um, with, I don't know, depending on what side you're on, was was he an agitator himself, the president, by asking people to come to the nation's capital on the day that the Electoral College votes would be counted on the 6th? Whether he said the specific words or not, was that enough no. to be an agitator and call people only if you to wanna, violence? Only if you want to say that Kamala Harris, when she said on national TV during the riots, the, the Black Lives Matter riots, that these are going to continue, they're going to happen, and they should. 
Okay, she says this on national TV. We never hold people to the same standard in America anymore. There's there's always selective outrage and selective logic applied here. When you have people who say you ought to protest or you ought to have your voice heard, if you want to extrapolate that into we want you to commit violence or we should have known better that the violence was going to happen, then just all I want you to do is apply that uniformly, go back and see that people like Kamala Harris said you're going to see these protests and these violence and you're going to see the, the, the destruction of property and it's going to continue and you're going to say to yourself, well, then she's encouraging it. But no one said that as about they her. Say, as they say in sports, go to the tape, watch the president, the president of the United States before an agitated crowd a few feet from the Capitol. You watch it. I, you decide. And that's fair. And and, and Jim, that's that fair enough. I want to just, I just want to emphasize this one part. I am, I just want to emphasize this. I am making no moral equivalent and justifying what happened in Washington, D.C. this week. What I am, what I am doing is the opposite. I'm saying what happened there is reprehensible and it boils my blood. And I'm going to tell you, when I was speaker, we had an incident in the gallery on the last night of the session, and we had our families there, and we had to evacuate that floor because of what was happening it's in the scary. gallery. And it, and and I could not have been more angry, and I could not have been more concerned. What I saw there, there is no there is no words to tell you that how angry what I saw there makes me. But what I'm so what I'm saying is I'm not justifying the despicable acts that happened at our Capitol. But what I'm saying is. If you are this angry, and this is the first time you've been this angry, you better ask yourself why, because this political violence has been going on for a long time. And anybody who thinks that what happened in 2020 is somehow more valiant or more justified, you, we will continue to divide this country. Leading the band. Let's go on to the next thing. Okay, this is actually a question I want to ask you guys because I guess protesting is a form of free speech in this country. And I took a poll on Twitter because I wanted to know if people, because the president's words do matter. And he, for lack of a better term, is oftentimes, sometimes unhinged on Twitter. He says things that don't seem very blunt, yes, and not presidential. Uh, the question is, does he need to be censored? And I have fairly strong feelings about this because I don't want to be a uh, communist China someday, but I know people feel differently about this. Should we censor the president or anyone? I don't care what your political views are or the next president. Is it a good idea to censor them on Twitter or Facebook, or do we need to keep those there to have a free and open society? Jim, you get to go first on this one. All right. It's a simple question. I cannot march in tonight. And, and use my freedom of expression to sit at your anchor table and give my thoughts. I can't go to the Deseret News and demand they print what I have to say. Look, this is not, this is not a public issue. These are, um, these are private companies, and they can have whatever policies they want to have and that's the way it is. When we get the government marching in and telling public companies and people what they can and can't say, that's an issue. So but do we I get say, to the point of, of communist China, whether it's this president or whether it's uh, vaccine information, if you type the word vaccine, that the government then puts up what they want you to know about it? Pick your issue, whatever you're passionate about. Do we get on a slippery slope where we're like, what have we done to ourselves? Uh, I'll tell you what I worry about. Okay. I worry about in the state of Utah, and then I'll shut up, Greg. Okay. Time. But 
I worry in the state of Utah, we've got 15 or 20 full-time $100,000 a year plus PR hacks that work for various state agencies. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of them in the governor's office. And they, they have the thinnest skin imaginable. They don't want to hear it. They want to shut down anybody that's saying anything. They want everything done the way that the governor wants it, to, to make the governor or whatever agency they're working for uh, look good. I'm much more concerned about that than I am about Facebook having a policy that says you can't uh, scream um, certain things that most of us would find offensive. Here's the issue. Social media has, has advertised itself. It is regulated as a communication platform. It is the newest version of your phone or you know, the way you would communicate. They, they represent themselves uh, federally in federal law in a way of as being a platform. Whatever is put on that platform, they could not be held liable. They don't, ver they don't vouch for the truthfulness of it. It, it protects them from liability. It's a liability issue that they are a communication platform. They are not a publisher. When you get into the space of now deciding what can be said and what cannot be said, when you start to decide what you think is the version of the, the theaters on fire versus what you think is not that definition, you're publishing. So it's fine. I agree with Jim. They can be private companies that want to publish what it is, what messages, what sentiment they want to account for and own because they're, if they're going to get into that space, but then they need to be held legally to that, that publisher definition federally. If they are nothing more than a conduit of communication, a platform where people can speak at, and in America with freedom of speech as our protected constitutional right, then the censorship that they're engaged in right now is flat out unconstitutional and wrong. And it's going to keep getting worse. This isn't just like your highest volume social media people that are being, you know, either, you know, shadow banned or even literally banned. It's it's people that I know who have the gall to say, I think election frauds happened. I think I saw someone put a paper across a window and you can't do Next thing they know, they're suspended for 20 days or 10 days. This is this is so broad and comprehensive how the speech in this country has been censored. So, so be a publisher. Let, let them be anything. a publisher. You would let anybody say it's so the way you want the world. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, it, look, I want you to be able to burn a flag, Jim. I want you to burn a flag, and I don't want you to go to jail for it. That's and, how I and feel. Do you want me to say a lot of bad words that aren't good for children to hear? And who knows? On this podcast, no, we want a family rating. Well, I, I, you, I think you're <laughs> okay. arguing for pornography laws that there should be zero pornography. I, look, I, no one likes any, but we fought for this right of freedom of speech. It's right. usually the Democrats that are the most ardent about defending this and saying, I'm, look, you might I'm, not like the message, but people have a right to say it. I, I'm going to tell you that that's the, the competition of thought, the competition of, of debate, the, the not succumbing to a uniformity of thought. Man, if we lose that, I, I don't know where anyone thinks this gets better. I really, really don't. If you really want to kill, if you really want to kill free thought in America, go ahead and do what President Trump tried to do with a stimulus package and do away with that protection for, um, for, for social media. No, because but, but no, he's they saying become, they're not, they're not, they, they're not communication they platforms become, anymore. They're publishers. As soon as, they, as soon as they become legally responsible for everything that every wacko puts up, that means they've got to set up a censor to go through every single post. <laughs> I hate that our stimulus package is even connected you, to this I issue. I hate to tell you this, Jim, they set up the censor. 
the sensors in place. Okay, they, that that and that is the exact point. They have the department of censoring the the the, the sentences and the subjects they don't want anyone to see or hear anymore. It's happening in real time. And once you go there, you're publishing content, and you should be liable for what you're publishing. You can't have it both ways. You can't censor and say, hey, we're just a conduit of communication. We're just whatever people say, they say. You can't do both. All right, next topic. We don't have time to talk about it. I just do want to say that uh, those Georgia runoff races, uh, Democrats, uh, very close races, Democrats won those. And that means after the inauguration of uh, now-elect President uh, Joe Biden, soon to be president, that he will have full control of Congress. Uh, what will change? Uh, what are going to be the priorities? Those are questions I have here in Utah, too. We have a new governor who has a new cabinet, and we also have um, a legislative session coming up. We don't have a lot of time to talk about it, but I'm going to let each of you give me your deep thoughts on some of these people uh, the governor's chosen to lead with, if there's going to be any changes, or if it's going to be uh, New Year same business we've seen under Governor Herbert. Uh, Jim, you get to go real quick, then Greg, and then we're going to have to solve the rest of the world's problems next week. You know, week. the governor, uh, the governor uh, went after me on uh, social media for saying that um, VIPs, there was, a, there was a plan or discussion of a plan for VIPs and their families to get uh, the virus in, in the, at the front of the line. And he went crazy. He and the vaccination, like not the virus, right? Yeah, the yeah the vaccination okay. exactly. So you know, I just happen to be a lightning rod for a lot of state employees and a lot of people that hear things in our one uh, party-controlled state. And I did have somebody who's in the room when it happens talk uh, about what did happen, and it happened with the Speaker of the House and he and the House members. Um, leadership, of course, it's nothing in public, uh, discussed a plan where the legislature and their families would get the virus uh, routinely. The vaccination. And, and in the, in the vaccination, yes, thanks for You're correcting welcome. me. It happened. As far as I'm concerned, that's a VIP. And the governor should apologize because he either didn't know what the legislature was talking about when he castigated me or he knew, and all of this this new group uh, of the communications advisors around him were telling him, you better shut this guy up, because he's got 8 million people a month tuning in, and, and uh, it's best that we just kind of shut him down. And some of our legislators uh, did indeed say happened. that uh, Jim DeBacchus had jumped the shark and that we shouldn't uh, let you on this podcast anymore. So you stand by the fact that you have actual sources who told you this information coming out of the legislature. It happened. They asked Speaker Wilson, and he wouldn't comment. He said, yeah, we had discussions about contingencies, but I won't say anything more about it. Yeah, well. I, I, thought, that the, I thought that then uh, Governor-elect Cox's uh, comments, Jim, regarding what you had said were – for someone that that has been critical of President Trump's comments, it seemed pretty uh, pretty dr- rude. I mean, it's it it was what did he say? Shut the hell up! I mean, he said. I mean, he was he went after you pretty hard. I, again, I think that we just got to practice what we preach out here. We got life's got to be a two way street. We just can't keep condemning things that we're more than comfortable engaging in ourselves. We just got to. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I do think that's what you got to try to aspire towards. So I. Uh, I, you know what, I, it doesn't surprise me what you've just described. I think how we frame it, it ought to be, uh, it ought to be, 
as uh, as cordial or as diplomatic uh, as we would expect from others. But to your question, Heidi, about his picks, I think I think Governor Cox has uh, hit it over the park, hit it over the fence in terms of picks. I love some of the the, the people that he has uh, asked Top to three lead. faves. Yeah, John Pierpont as his executive, as his chief of staff, is a home run. I worked with him closely on the Operation Rio Grande issue when he ran Department of Workforce Services. He had he just he just works his tail off, and he is someone that wants to get things accomplished. He is going to serve this governor incredibly well. Sophia DeCaro, who is working as the the planning and budget for the governor's office, sharp, sharp. She was a former colleague in the House uh, that I served with, and she is so capable, and she is going to serve uh, really well. And uh, Tiffany Clayson's going to run the ABC, the Jim's favorite government division, uh, the Department of uh, Alcohol. Uh, the um, what is DAB? Department of Alcohol and Beverage Control. She is uh, she last worked for uh, 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 Congressman McAdams, but she also uh, is from Louisiana and worked for Senator Vitter, and so she understands the political waters. But she is a worker. People wouldn't recognize her name. Why? Because she works so hard for those that she has staffed. She's going to be phenomenal at DABC, and those are just three that I can off the top of my head. So, do you uh, like the, the his picks? I, the, uh, the, yeah, they're pretty much Herbert, too. But uh, the, the key guy, as far as I'm concerned, is Hemmer, the former senator from Utah County. Um, the biggest cesspool in state government for hidden money and sneakiness and pay-to-play is GOAD. A lot of their deals, as a senator, they, they refuse to tell me what the deal was and what this company was getting and all the rest. It is, it's a cesspool. So uh, I, I kept, I sat next to him and I kept saying to him, look, this U-Star thing is $20 million a year. Nobody would ever spend that money doing what the state has been doing for many, many years. He picked it up. He smashed U-Star and there was a lot of political objections to, to his breaking up that 20 million. And he was so spot on. Some, yep. That's a good one. I got some hope, and I hope that he's strong enough to stand up to all the pay-to-play people out there, and we'll keep an eye on that. Senator Hemmer, another phenomenal pick. I think he's an interesting pick, too, because he's a business owner. He runs all the red hangers in the state, right? He owns those. And I would have to imagine that in the current climate of people who wear sweatpants, there's not a lot of dry cleaning (laughs) going on. Seriously, who dry cleans? I do, but I'm guessing that his business has been hurting. And I think that coming from a point where businesses have been hurting during the pandemic and then having to go and lead the state economically, having that insight has mm-hmm. got to help because I can't imagine that his it's, dry cleaning businesses are booming no, right it's now. It's that empathy. That's It's the key. Absolutely. Plus, he's a decent guy. I wish I, I, if a Republican was going to take that seat from Ben, Utah would be so much better served by having hammered there instead of – I'll just say. Well, maybe now part of as now that you're part of the GOP and you switched parties, uh, you yeah, can work sure. on getting him to run again. I do thank both of you for joining us. It's been fun. We've talked way longer than we should, but I feel like when we don't meet for six months, there's know, a lot of issues to stuff, tackle. Huh? Well, I'm glad that you both weren't in the same room and nobody had a sword or anything and stabbed <laughs> the other person. God bless America and conversation. Bye bye.